the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 6th, 2011. <clears throat> and uh, today we're going to be doing a study primarily regarding the Illuminati, uh, which is a subject that you know comes up a lot in regard to the type of information that we tend to get into here in, in this type of Watchman-based ministry. And um, <clears throat> we're going to be playing... Initially, and I'm not sure how far uh, I'll get, but a series of um, John Todd audio clips that we're going to be listening to, and uh, very, very, very insightful. I wouldn't play these unless they really weren't a total confirmation of all the research that I've done since, I guess you'd say, around 1994 when I first read the book En Route to Global Occupation by Gary Ka, who was a United Nations insider and a born-again Christian, and that's how I got led to the Lord, essentially. That's how I got saved, is by reading that book. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, the Holy Spirit drew me, but it was through that book that it happened. And um, I've been kind of researching the New World Order, the Illuminati, ever since. And John Todd was a person that was a high-level generational Luciferian, bloodline Luciferian from the Collins family, which is one of the 13 families of the Illuminati. And I, I even give a link there in the body of this PDF if you want to know more about the Collins family in particular. Fritz Springmeyer wrote a book called 13 Bloodlines of the Illuminati, and uh, they're one of the families that was talked about. Fritz Springmeyer also just was released from jail not too long ago, and uh, he uh, actually did an interview on Alex Jones the other day, and he's got to kind of be careful what he says. I mean, they already threw him back in jail one time since he's been out, just for like no reason at all, probably just to let him know that they can throw him back at any time, you know, they want to. Uh, he was in, he's been in jail for like eight years, I think. Fritz Springmeier also, coincidentally enough, was one of the um, only men or the only people in the end that was actually helping um, John Todd. And uh, there's a, um, a kind of a lengthy defense of John Todd that I'll post in this PDF um, regarding uh, a defense of John Todd. Part of it is from him, part of it is from other people. Uh, it reminds me what happened to Fritz being thrown into prison with all these stupidly trumped up charges that, you know, had no basis in fact. And and it was the same thing that happened to, to John Todd. And, and the thing is, is somebody that's exposing the Illuminati at that level, of course they're going to be number one on the Illuminati's hit list to discredit primarily, and then ultimately in their eyes to hopefully take out completely. So, I found it interesting that Fritz Springmeier was actually one of the ones in the very end that was actually helping uh, uh, John Todd. And that's from John Todd's own words. And I will, uh, that will be included in the PDF to this. Uh, very, very, very insightful stuff. And re remember, when we listen to this, we're listening to something that was played from the 19, I believe it was the 1970s. 
in this particular case, he would go around and speak at different and various churches, and they were recording some of these, and they were preserved to this day. And he's going to give you some background, and I'm going to be doing what I normally do with audio clips, stopping and commenting along the way, hopefully to enhance and give you further edification on given points. I'm also going to try to, um, if he brings up a particular point that I've already done a teaching on, I'm going to try to provide that link to that audio in this PDF so that if you're like, what? I never, well, I might have already done a teaching on it. For instance, he mentioned C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, you'll hear in this first clip here, and that as a witch, as a generational Luciferian, they were required reading. 100% totally required. And he goes on to say, you know, while the Christians were, were reading their Bibles and, and uh, um, you know, maybe um, reciting their hymns and things of this nature, he was reading J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Well, the reality is, is, is that um, the Christians today are doing that very same thing. And I'm not coming down on somebody that's ever read those books or, or uh, maybe holds them to a high esteem, but you need to be educated on that subject because those are essentially witchcraft primers, uh, those particular things. I mean, J.R. Tolkien, uh, C.S. Lewis, members of the Order of the Golden Dawn, one of the highest secret society, Luciferian secret societies that, that ever was, and uh, I've done whole studies on this, and I'll give you the links to that. So if before you, if, if you're convinced, no, no, that can't be true, well, the Bible says, he that judgeth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. So you need to get apprised of the facts, and in, in particular, like with C.S. Lewis, I've done, well, really two teachings on him, and the other one had J.R. Tolkien in there as well. And uh, what we look at is his own words, out of his own writings. I mean, it's from him. It's not from me. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm talking about page number uh, from uh, quotes from the, the literal, uh, his own books, giving you page number and everything. So it's his own words. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started here in regard to this. I'm going to be playing um, this particular clip. And it's, uh, it's entitled Tape 6A from John Todd. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and start this here. And we will be, again, stopping along the way to clarify some points. But anyway, uh, I don't fool around, so I'll just uh, start right out. I can only make you one promise that what I've got to say is the truth. It won't seem that way to some of you. It always just seem that I'm either crazy or I'm the biggest liar and and storyteller in the world. That's what our televisions have done to us. They've gotten us to a frame of mind that we do not realize the real world around us. When I talk in many youth rallies, many of the Christian schools, I start right out by tearing their television and rock idols down by personal experiences that I've had with them in the occult world. And then from there we try to build them up with real heroes, the number one being Jesus Christ. But uh, I come from a family that, where I grew up having my own heroes, my number one hero was my great-great-great-somewhere-way-back-there-grandfather named Francis Collins. Francis Collins owned the first ship that the Puritans landed in here. It just so happened that 50% of the people on board were also witchcraft people fleeing from Scotland. They were called the Collinses. They were all his family, and that's how all witchcraft came to the United States. 
So when I grew up, I was being trained how great my family was, that it was the second most important family in the Illuminati in the occult world, and that someday I'd be very important and so on. So I had my own heroes. And television didn't help much. The reason I'm so down on television is I grew up around the television world, on the insides of it. When I was just a teenager, Hollywood paid for my way out to California so that I could bring a couple diaries that uh, belonged to my family that I had inherited by will as the last male heir of the Collins family. If you wondered why that fits with Todd's, the Collins family changed their name about 100 years ago to Todd to cover up some of the things that they had done. But I'm sure some of you will remember the show Dark Shadows. That was the show that paid for me to come to Hollywood to bring the diaries. Many of the scripts were taken from actual incidents in the... Now, just so you know, that when he said they changed their name, it's a very common practice within the Illuminati regarding... A lot of different ways they cover up things. A lot of times they'll, they'll do a lot of cloak and dagger stuff in order to cover their tracks. So that's just one of the many things they employ. Diaries. And for instance, Barnabas Collins was based upon a man named Prince Williams Collins, a Revolutionary War hero. When I was growing up in the occult world, we were always taught that we had been somebody else before. It wasn't good enough that we were the person we were now. We always had to be a dozen people that we were before. We had to deal with this life and all the ones we were supposed to have had before and all the ones we were going to have in the future. And I was supposed to be in France Williams Collins. So I said that's who they based Barnabas on, so I wasn't exactly the nicest guy in the world. I grew up this way. When I was 13, I was taken into what is called the outer court to be trained as a priest in witchcraft. That had been like your pastor who just stepped off or better yet, more like the youth director or something. When I was 18, I was initiated a high priest. That would have made me the pastor. At the same time, I became draft exempt. I did not have to go into service. But a bunch of us, smart alley, young, I have to correct the pastor, not warlocks, but wizards and witches, went into the army because we felt the army really needed witchcraft. It just couldn't get along without us. And since the army didn't think that they needed any chaplains that were witches, we just kind of went in on our own. So I went on in, along with a lot of others, and I never did anything, I guess, halfway. I got to Vietnam, found out I liked Vietnam so well, I was willing to re-enlist. In fact, I'd already signed the papers to stay for another tour in Vietnam when I became wounded in the last month of the first tour, and I was shipped back to the United States. My time was almost up, so I was discharged, and the same day I re-enlisted, I asked for Vietnam, and they said because of my wounds that hadn't totally healed yet, I couldn't go to Vietnam yet, so I got Germany. And I had re-enlisted for six years. And until the time of my re-enlistment, I always thought that witchcraft was just witchcraft. There was nothing more to witchcraft than just casting spells and that we were smarter than the Christians and other religions because we really knew who the gods were and we were born with special powers because our ancestors had passed them down to us and all the little stories they liked to tell us. Witchcraft was a little different at that time when I first got into it as a teen, I was a young person. You had to be from a family that had generations after generations of witchcraft. In order to be a Coleman member at the time, you had to have three generations at least. While the minimum that I had that we could find was seven, so there wasn't any problem, and we knew it went past that where there weren't records kept anymore. But uh, that was all witchcraft was. As I tell many people, when you know many of you were raised as Christians, and I guess that's why I can't understand why some of the Christian teenagers are the way they are today, if they were raised in this glorious gospel, why they're so rebellious. I would have given anything to have been raised this way. But uh, when you were 
learning the 23rd Psalm, I was learning the witch's chant. When you were reading about Moses opening the Red Sea, I was reading J.R.R. Tolkien. When you guys were read, uh, learning uh, different memory verses and so on, and the four spiritual laws and the Ten Commandments, I was happy to read C.S. Lewis. Of course, I've been greatly surprised that Christians read that too. But uh, this is the way I grew up. Now, bear in mind, it was so important from a witchcraft standpoint, from an educational standpoint, uh, for him to read J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, that that was one of the main things that was emphasized. And it's one of the main things that's emphasized in modern-day Christianity as well. And it has been for decades and decades and decades. And the Bible says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Well, C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien, that's a whole lot of leaven. If a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, what does a lot of leaven do? They're totally leavened. Yes, there's some things that you can glean out of them that seem uh, Christian or, or that could be, if isolated, in those books. Yes, you could say that they're, they're Christian, I'm sure. But taken as a whole, how much poison is actually in those books? If it only takes a little... 11, 11 a whole lot, but it only takes a little bit of poison. Rat poison's 99% good rat food and 1% poison, essentially. So, also the active ingredient for a long time, I, I believe still is, is sodium fluoride in the rat poison. It's the same thing they put in the uh, toothpaste, which is, you know, comforting. Uh, anyway, and that's why on the back of every toothpaste, you'll see the warning if you swallow more than a, you would normally... Uh, use while brushing call poison control. It's on the back of all fluoridated toothpaste. And again, we got into that in the last teachings, the 19 ways they are trying to kill us. So if you want to know more about that, you can reference those teachings. So I'm going to go back to the the uh, audio here. This is all I believed in was just that there were mighty gods and we were spatial people. We were their priests and priestesses. Until I re-enlisted. I went to Germany, spent a month home, went to Germany, spent another month, two months out of a six-year enlistment. One night while taking drugs and drinking, I shot and killed an officer in downtown Stuttgart. Now, there's one thing that the Army does not like. It does not like its sergeants killing its officers. They have a quick cure for that. They threw me in solitary confinement. And as the court-martial proceeded on, and things began to look like I was going to spend the rest of my life in Leavenworth if I was lucky, all of a sudden, a riot took place in the stockade, and although I was in solitary confinement, other place, people were placed in the cell with me. One of the men that was placed in the cell with me had been scheduled to get out that particular day and was held because of the riot. So I kind of talked him in by bribing him a little that uh, if he made a long-distance phone call for me and told certain relatives of mine that I was in trouble, he'd receive some money for it, and I'd be a lot happier. So he called, collect to Los Angeles and talked to my foster mother, explained what the situation was. And I was sitting back waiting for her to get all these big witches together to cast us on the judges and make all the officers that were trying me think I was a real got nice guy and that it was self-defense and everything was going to be fine. They just let me off. Now that's all that I had ever been taught that witches could do. But three days later, my cell door opened there in the solitary. I stepped out in the light for the first time in 32 days. I heard some very strange words. You are honorably discharged from the United States Army. And the man that was saying them was a senator by the name of William Saxby. 
had a congressman with him named Wiley and about three or four generals. And they were handing me an honorable discharge. And on the discharge papers, it didn't say I was bad. didn't say that I had been in jail. didn't say anything. It gave me all my time and rank, security clearances that I had in my possession, and then explained why I still had over five years to go in the United States Army. It just discharged me honorably. So as I took it and didn't want to argue with him and left and went back to the States and arrived at my home in Columbus, Ohio, I asked my real mother, I have two mothers, foster mother and a real mother, I said, what type of spell is so good that it makes senators and generals do what you want? And it's a really good spell. I'd like to learn it. She just looked at me and said, you just don't understand, do you? She said, they're, that what, we didn't cast a spell on them. They're with us. I said, oh, far out. Senators that are witches. She says, no, they just belong to us. And I didn't understand what she's saying. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do now? You know, I'd like to take my oath. Okay, so let's recap that one a little bit. Essentially, he shoots and kills an officer as a sergeant. That's a big-time no-no, essentially, in the Army. I mean, I would believe that that's most likely probably punishable by death. Instead of him being in prison the rest of his life or receiving a death penalty in the Army, the exact opposite happens. Once the information is relayed back to his witch mom... Uh, the wheels of satanic justice start turning, and a senator, a congressman, and several generals show up and issue him an honorable discharge. This is how wicked and corrupt the military and really all factions of our government have been. This was the 70s. Imagine how bad it is today. Because evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're, we're, we're getting ready to essentially go into the, the New World Order, the One World Government, One World Political System, One World Economic System, One World Currency, One World Religion. So it's not like we're getting more holy as the days go by. It was that bad back then. And this is the type of, of uh, power that they wielded. And to the point where he said, you know, I didn't. We we had witches and, and these types of things that were actually senators and stuff. Not to say that does that's not the case, but she says no, they weren't one of us. We just owned them. They might not have been a witch or a wizard or a warlock or whatever you want to call them. They might not have been that. But they were sold out to Satan from the extent they were still controlled. The reason that they had received their rank, most likely, was due to them selling out. Maybe they weren't even involved in witchcraft, but they were, they were sold out to the ones that controlled them, for the ones that, that were heavily, either generational Luciferians or, or, or this type of thing. So that's important to, to understand as well. Maybe not every single one of them, and, but... You know, in today's day and age, I would imagine there's probably a much higher percentage of, of high-ranking people, politicians, military, Hollywood, you name it, that actually are directly involved in witchcraft. Because I believe if, 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 if you look at it from a satanic standpoint, it would, it would work more to Satan's advantage if you actually had people literally wrapped up in the occult world than if they're not and they're just kind of like puppets on a string. It's just one more level of control he could have. So anyway, I just wanted to really 
that's very common, that type of testimony. I've heard that from other people over the years, that um, how satanically infiltrated the highest levels of government and the, you know, the military and you name it are. And that's just kind of a great example of that. So let's go further. Holding back over so on. So she handed me an envelope that had been waiting there. She'd explained that there was one there and one in Los Angeles. They didn't quite know where I was going to show up. Okay, so this is his mom handing him an envelope regarding, okay, what's, you know, uh, kind of what's your next assignment from a, from a, from a uh, Luciferic standpoint. I opened the envelope. Very intriguing thing. $2,000 and $100 bills. A lot of money. Also was a one-way plane ticket to New York City. I said, well, what's this for? She said, well, you make a reservation, you get on the next plane, you get out of here and you get to New York City and they'll meet you at the airport. I said, well, who are they and where did this money come from? She says, you get there and they'll tell you and you'll know who's supposed to meet you when they get there. Now, witches are very curious people. That's why when we do some of the most demonic rites imaginable and our hair would stand on end and almost turn snow white overnight, from all the spooky things, we couldn't wait to get back in there. We we're always curious what was going to happen the next. I guess why some of the people get on roller coasters and like to be scared to death. It's just the way with the witches. They really spooky things going on. They can't wait to get back. And this was extremely intriguing. So I got on the plane and I flew to New York. I got off the plane. Sure enough, no problem with recognizing who met me. I'd read his books for years. In fact, he's the man who first created Christian witchcraft. His name was Dr. Raymond Buckland. First man that ever created Christian witchcraft. Now, obviously, that's kind of like Christian rock, is what he's meaning. And they're going to talk a lot, he's going to talk a lot about how the Christian church, particularly, I really believe, since the 70s, since they said the Jesus Rock movement came, and then going all the way back to before that, and I I don't want to say too much, the various ways that the Christian church has been infiltrated in the last, I don't know, around 100 years, uh, literally forming what I believe the Bible refers to as the Laodicean Church of Revelation 3. There's a lot of different reasons that that is the case, but how witchcraft in this, the money they've thrown at this, you're going to, you're going to, He's going to get into that as well. The money they have thrown into corrupting true Bible-believing, the various ways they've done it. And again, you have to look at it from, okay, from a satanic standpoint, it would make total sense for them to try to do this. And it's just more confirmation of that. But if it's, it's something that if you're never educated about, you would never even knew it happened, most likely, unless the Lord had shown you in another way. So let's go back. Anthropology Department. Columbia University, at that time he isn't now, graduate of Oxford University, Rhodes Scholar, handpicked by the Rothschilds to lead the Illuminati for him. So I arrived. And again, as I've said before, the Rothschilds are essentially the number one family in the Illuminati. So this was a guy that was handpicked by the Illuminati, and he was personally training John Todd in uh, this next level of witchcraft which he was to learn. He took me to his house, and the next few months he carefully rearranged all my ideas for me. He told me that all the things that I had learned about witchcraft were just stories that we told the lower people. 
And where I thought there was only three levels and I was as high and as powerful as a witch could go, he assured me there were three more. I guess I should have backed off then and figured if I lied to you the first time, maybe I'd be lied to you the second time. But as I said, witches have an incurable curiosity. They've got to find out everything. So I let him train me. He explained to me that since I was a male Collins, I was in the Collins family, that I had a position to take. And that there was a board of directors called the Grand Druid Council, which contained 13 of the most powerful witches in the world. And that my place was on that council. And I said, oh, you know, great. When do I take it? He said, well, somebody just died. I kind of always wondered if he died or they shot him or something. You never can tell in the Illuminati. But uh, he sent me to Los Angeles. I studied for six more months with my foster mother, holding kind of a temporary rank on this council, and then taking up the Colorado Springs and initiated. And I do believe that when I testified here the last time, I explained who the person was that handed me the ceremonial knife for that ceremony. Another senator named George McGovern. You might, before the night gets over, start to realize that Washington isn't bad as you thought it was. It's worse. But um, So in other words, George McGovern, who I think might have been a ran for president, uh, was he real high? I mean, the name is very familiar. Uh, he was also high-level senator, occultist. That's why I've said before, that you just don't get to those levels by accident. It just does not, it's it's by design. You have to be sold out to Satan, essentially, to get to those levels. Things are just too infiltrated. Even they were back in the 70s, and, and today it's it's even worse. The ceremony, by the way, was human sacrifice. And the leader of that ceremony that night was George McGovern. That's okay, so the, the this human sacrifice, that that's the way, particularly at the level he was at, that is the way they practice their religion. Now, again, just the study I did, I guess it was last week, regarding Halloween and the origins of it. And this is the way they literally practice their religion. They're that serious where they will sequester human beings and or animals and, and sacrifice them and inflict as much terror before the sacrifice in order to pay homage to appease whatever false satanic deity that they're worshipping. That's how they practice their religion. And it goes on at the highest levels of government worldwide. It's just something that I think if more true born-again Christians realized and there was more prayer going up about it, Things could be different, but I don't. I don't believe that most Christians understand this, or, or would want to accept it, or, or would want to give it any kind of um, credence or validation. Why, when we did the broken cross, we drew his picture into the broken cross as a person practicing human sacrifice. But after the the broken cross, I believe, is what they're referenced to. Is they'll take a clay cross during these occultic ceremonies, and they'll take it and they'll turn it upside down, which, again, whenever you see an upside-down cross, that's essentially a luciferic or a satanic or an occultic way of blaspheming Jesus Christ. They turn the cross of Christ upside down, and then what they do is they'll have clay crosses in these ceremonies, and they'll literally take the arms of the cross and break them down. Okay, Now, if you took the 
arms of like a cross like that and you broke it down at an angle, what would that what sign would that form? It would it would form the peace sign. Okay, you know how the peace sign is in that circle? Well, it's also called the witch's foot. But it's 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 the uh, cross broken upside down. It's a very, very satanic symbol, the peace sign. So just so you know, that's another little tidbit of information for you. Ceremony. I went down to San Antonio and decided that would be the perfect place. And I moved into San Antonio to watch all the drug traffic in the area, and I was given a 13-state area. That totaled out to about 65,000 initiated witches and wizards, priests and priestesses. Now that's so he had 65,000 witches, wiz- wizards, and priestesses under him in a 13-state area. The reason he picked San Antonio was because of all the drugs coming over the border from Mexico and Central America and South America. And, and that was happening back in the 70s. You can only imagine how bad it is today with the way we've got with our border situation. So, again, it's very, very important, and it always has been very important, for the Illuminati to get as many people as possible addicted to drugs. Whether they're the supposedly illegal drugs, which we bring in, our government, just watch the Clinton Chronicles. You know, one, one example of how they were flying it into Mena, Arkansas, Bill, Bill and, and Hillary Clinton, Clinton, I mean Hillary, sorry. And, you know... <laughs> Nobody's ever refuted that video. <laughs> and all the trail of dead bodies that surround just the Clintons. And this is when he was uh, the uh, was it the governor of Arkansas, I believe. Clinton was the governor. You know, the trail of dead bodies, the, the CIA drug planes flying into Mena, Arkansas. I mean, and the thing is, is this has been validated again and again and again. I have seen more proof that this is the actual case. Alex Jones gets a lot into how the government has been flying or bringing in drugs into America for, I mean, decades. And he has, I mean, the the proof is there. The one video that I'd seen recently, and I'd played the clip where they're over there in Afghanistan, the military is a high-ranking, I believe it was a general or colonel, was interviewed literally on the... on like the outer edge of a poppy field in Afghanistan, and they were admitting they were guarding the poppy seeds, which is where we make opium, which is where heroin comes from. And their justification was, well, if we burn the fields down, they wouldn't have any income. I mean, it's insanity. It was literally on mainstream news. I mean, it might not have been front page, but it was literally there. So... It's incredibly important for the Illuminati to get as many people, really for Satan, to get many as many people as possible, particularly on mind-altering drugs, which, which, when you look in the Bible, the root word for sorcery is pharmakia, which is the root word for where we get the modern-day pharmacy, pharmaceutical, these types of things. Not all drugs are mind-altering, okay, but... Many of them are, and many of the psychotropic meds now that that a ton of people, it's, it's like one in ten people are now on, on antidepressants in America, something of that nature. These drugs all have a demonic component to them. I don't care if they make you feel better temporarily or not. They all have demonic components to them. And this is what your people don't understand. Yes, there's a chemical manipulation of brain chemistry that's going on, but there's also a literal demonic component. These drug companies that make them are wicked and evil. 
They're the same ones that make the wicked and evil vaccinations that are DNA tainted, that are cultured off literal aborted babies, many of them, up to 19 now. I've documented that all in times past. You cannot go to Satan for a remedy and expect to have a good result. Now, I have nothing against emergency medicine. But beyond emergency medicine, you cannot drug your body into good health. I understand some surgeries are necessary. Okay, but the modern day medical industry in America is about disease propagation. It's not about health care. It has nothing to do with health. It has to do with you being sick and you getting sick and you staying sick and you staying in their system and creating a weak, sickly population that dies quickly, not only does that depopulate the earth quicker, but if you're weak and sickly, you're very easy to control. And if you're hooked on psychotropic meds, whether they're supposedly illegal, and that would include pot, or because uh, there's this big movement to legalize pot. I, I, don't, I do not agree with that. I know there's a gigantic deponent, component, um, demonic component with uh, marijuana. I've been around enough people from my unsaved days to know that for sure. All of these drugs that alter mind chemistry, literally, many of them start to literally open up the third eye. Um, LSD would be an extreme example of something that would do that. And these people that do these types of drugs literally start seeing things. Crystal meth, those types of things. And literally what they're seeing is into the demonic spiritual world. They're getting a glimpse into that. And a lot of times they think they're going crazy, and they probably are, but they're actually also seeing spiritual things. Your third eye, which is associated with the pineal gland, is, uh, from an occultic standpoint, it's being opened. And that's not a good thing. Satan wants to get as many people as he can hooked on drugs. And you're just going to see more and more proof of that as this interview progresses. Just the staff of the church. That's not the congregation. So if there's that many ministers in that area... You can imagine what the population is. In California, whereas most of the Grand Druids have many states like I did, I had 13, California has a Grand Druid all to itself because there's that many witches in California. In fact, it's the most populated area in the world for witchcraft. And uh, the Bay Area just happens to have the most. <laughs> the Bay Area, meaning San Francisco, one of the most wicked if not, you could you could probably cite a case for the most wicked city in America. Uh, now, yeah, you have Las Vegas, you have Key West, you have New Orleans, the voodoo capital of America. Um, San Francisco, though. And again, you look at all the wickedness that emanates from San Francisco. It just so happens to have the highest witchcraft population. You look at all the wickedness that and the liberalism that has come from California and it has the highest population of witches. So whenever you have the highest population of witches, unless there's a concerted effort by Christians to push back that evil in prayer, fasting, and spiritual warfare, because again, it's not about going out and hurting somebody physically, it's literally about the spiritual warfare. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, according to Ephesians 6. So, and then it talks about putting on the full armor of God, and that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the God, through the pulling down of strongholds. So, 
unless a lot of that's going on to counter that, witchcraft is going to flourish and propagate and the spells are going to have a much greater effect that they're putting on large uh, areas of people. These, these covens come together and literally try to put spells on whole areas of people to keep them dumbed down, to keep their eyes blinded and their ears that they cannot hear and their hearts that they cannot receive and make sure that nobody's getting saved. And this is and because the church, the 501c3 corporate church of America that's totally yoked up with the government, and if that's not leaven, I don't know what is, because they've become pretty much ineffective, and I'm not condemning every single church on the planet, but it sure doesn't help when you're yoked up with this wicked government that has these types of ties and is controlled literally by the Illuminati. Um, the churches have become, for the most part, ineffective. They're driven by greed and lust and worldly programs and pleasing men and the fear of man. Not the fear of God, but the fear of man. And being politically correct and not stepping on anyone's toes and being seeker-friendly and all these things that are 100% totally diametrically opposed to the Bible. Jesus Christ said, Think not that I come to bring peace but a sword, and a man's foes will be they of his own household. And we're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And again, this is what the, the modern day 501c3 church has become. Because it has not resisted this, this type of behavior has become worse and worse and worse, has uh, exploded, and again, it's not like it's going to be on front front page of the newspaper. They own the newspapers. But there are that many people out there, more than you could ever probably imagine, literally practicing witchcraft and literally taking it very, very, very seriously. They're motivated, as you're going to see here, out of literally the fear of Satan. Because the further you get in, the more you realize, wow, I am beholden to do whatever these devils, demons, fallen angels, or Satan tells me to do. And if I don't do it, there's huge repercussions. It's a terribly horrific way to live a life. It really is. Uh, you'll, you'll see as, as we go further into this. But anyway, this is where I live. I only left it eight times a year to attend what we called council meetings. Now, to give you an idea, Monday was one of those council meetings. They hold them eight times a year. May 1st, they held a council meeting, and from our information, they held it in San Francisco. So you were kind of close to it this time. Things went along fine. I enjoyed the money, par. I always thought they were kind of weird, because they kept talking about controlling the world. And I thought, let's stay back with witchcraft, you know, this, this world government thing. You know, they're a little weird. Witches are never going to control the world. And finally, on August the 1st, 1972, things changed. Courier the London Embassy, a member of our United States State Department, arrived with a courier document pouch sealed with the crest of the State Department, brought it through customs, unopened, nobody could touch it, brought it in to San Antonio, and I was hosting the meeting this time. It was on Latimus, August the 1st. The man came in, laid the pouch down in the temple room up in the casino building, walked out, and left it. He wasn't to know what was in it. The door was locked, security guards were placed on the outside, and Dr. Buckland took up what's called the Atom Aids, the witch's ceremonial night. 
He slit open the seal, unlocked everything, and took out six letters. We'd seen letters like this before, no big deal. They had the crest of the Illuminati, which is on the back of your $1 bill. So you can look at it later. On them, sealed in wax, red wax. The only problem... I mean, the, the crest of the Illuminati, which is on the back of the $1 bill, the two seals. That's how flagrant it is. There's nothing about that truncated pyramid with the all-knowing eye of Lucifer Horus that, that is good. Or, or they, you know, they can say all day long, oh, it's this or that. It's wicked. It is literally the seals of the Illuminati. That's how flagrant things have become. The problem was that the first four were standard business. They only contained checks, you know, like, you know, bribe checks and so on. Usually bribe checks started about $500,000 to give you kind of an idea and work up into the millions. But then they've got almost all the money in the world. Why should they worry? You spend a $5 bill and you panic. For what a $5 bill feels like to you, a million dollars feels like to them. So believe me, they've got the financial strength to do it. Well, also, when you can print money out of thin air, I mean, remember, they own the printing presses. They own the Federal Reserve. Okay? And if they can just print money unlimited, then what does it matter if they need to, if they need to bribe a senator for $500,000 or bribe some person for a million dollars in order to advance their agenda. It's no it's no big deal for them. They can print money whenever they want to. So, again, the the bribing is just an absolute total way of life regarding the Illuminati. The fifth one was totally different. It's very thick, about 30 pages, and it was handwritten. Now, according to the laws of witchcraft, if anything is religious, it must be written in a spatial ink with a dip pen and the person who's writing it own handwriting. Nobody, you know, you don't dictate it. It doesn't get typed up. Nobody writes it for you. Now, on the Illuminati, the Rothschilds are not humans. They're not the, just the richest family in the world. They are gods and human bodies. More, more or less the counterfeit of what Jesus Christ was when he was on the earth. They're the sons and daughters of Lucifer and human body and his wife and so on. So that this council that I was on is the private priesthood of those gods. And when those gods talk, the priests listen and the priestesses listen. Then they tell political people. That's why a handful of witches have so much power over so many political people. Because they're simply just like a tape recorder for some very powerful people that everybody else considers to be holy and to be gods. Okay, so in other words, if you had got a letter from a luciferic standpoint from the Rothschilds, they're considered to be gods on this earth. Literally, gods that are worshipped. And then this letter comes, and these are um, people involved in high-level luciferianism, this grand council of 13, and they get this, and it's they're the mouthpieces for these gods, and they're the ones that literally control people like Barack Obama and Clinton and Bush and these types of people. Unless they're, unless those politicians are at a very, very high level themselves, which is a, a good possibility as well. Um, but this is why the, when his mom had said they're not, they're not a wizard or a witch, but uh, these in regard to the senator or the congressman or the generals, but we own them. Okay, so they're still they're below them. They just might not be uh, as heavily involved in the occult as the people above them. 
So we opened this one in Philip Rothschild's handwriting, and it would have been the same to what it was like, you know, the gods sent their own private message. So we opened it up. Dr. Buckland started reading it. It's a chart. A friend of mine, Dr. Tom Berry, has placed that chart in a 30-page book, and we're proofing it now, and Dr. Stuart Crane is going to publish it, and we hope to have it in Christians' hands in about three months. It's a step-by-step -step plan beginning in 1973, at the first of the year, to the end of 1980, to take over the world by taking over the United States. Now, the stuff that he talked about has not happened yet, and it hasn't happened in the time frame they were talking about. Just like the, move, the book George Orwell uh, wrote regarding 1984, 1984 was the scheduled takeover date. They wanted the world to be like 1984 in the year 1984. But remember, Satan's plans are subject to the will of God. And if Satan, Satan can be over here plotting and scheming and doing all these things in order to implement his agenda, but it's God's timetable. It's the timetable of the Lord Jesus Christ, not Satan. So, please bear that in mind. Don't, don't think, well, he's a, this guy is false in, in what he's saying. No, this is what they were being told as witches. This was what, this is the way that they would have liked it to have worked out, but it did not work out. And, and some of it may have been due to, to John Todd coming out and getting this information out, and people literally knowing about this information and prayer specifically going up regarding this. The timetable has obviously been pushed back to at least where the point in time where we're at today. I mean, a lot of things could happen tomorrow in the Middle East um, or on so many different levels where they would actually really be able to start to implement their agenda. It's taken a lot longer for them to implement this, and thank God it has because... Um, it's allowed more people, obviously, to be saved in, in, in um, the remnant to prepare in these types of things as well. But if they would have had their way, yes, it would have been a long time ago. Um, literally, it sounds like about 1980. And again, that was also when Maitreya came out, was around the early 80s, and said, you know, I'm going to do this. And this is when, you know, a lot of this stuff seemed to, to, they really were trying to focus in on that 1980 to 1984 time frame. Didn't work out. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you think that that's impossible. I've watched the news over the past five and a half years, and they're not only on schedule, they're a year ahead of schedule. And when I told people this five years ago, they thought I was crazy, like a lot of people think now. When I told them that we were supposedly not going to have any fuel, although we were going to have it, and that the gasoline prices were going to go sky high, I even told them a crazy story that the farmers were going to go on strike and the coal mines were going to close down. Now, I wonder where I could have gotten a crazy idea like that. And I was saying it five years ago. Only when I went on the East Coast this time, nobody was laughing because they were getting cut back on electricity and people were only working 20 hours a week because there wasn't any coal. And there was a huge gas crisis back then as well. So, in other words, a lot of the stuff that he had predicted in previous meetings had already come to pass. It doesn't mean that their full agenda was implemented, the Illuminati, but a lot of the things building up to that had actually happened as John Todd had predicted. So after reading this, I thought, hmm, these people are really crazy. You know, crazier and crazier. 
But I stopped laughing when I read the sixth letter. It was in Philip Rothschild's handwriting, too. Now, before I tell you what's in it, I want to say something. The Mormon doctrine and the witchcraft doctrine are almost identical in how the world began. According to the witches, Lucifer chose his son and his daughter, which were married, to come to the world and lead the rest of his little kids down here. Believe it or not, they're supposed to have landed in a flying saucer. And they land Again, what is that? It's called the ancient astronaut theory. Back then... That, that probably was almost unknown. It was, would have been like a foreign idea. Now, it's like that's what is being told. All these millions of people that have been abducted. Numbers into the 3 three to 4% of the total population of America, according to the polls. Now, they're not out there running around screaming, yeah, I got abducted. It's, it's a shameful thing. They do shameful things to these people when they get abducted horrifically bad, and many, many times they don't even remember anyway. But again, what are they being told on the, aboard these ships? Well, that millions of years ago, you know, we came, these UFO occupants, these liars from the pit of hell, and we seeded your planet with humanity, or we seeded your planet with the spark of life, that eventually evolved into what you are today. The accounts are different. Sometimes they're, uh, the, the planet was seeded with humanity. It's, it's a different, it's not always the same. But it's called the ancient astronaut theory, where these aliens supposedly came here millions of years ago and um, propagated life on this planet to what it is today. We're their little science project. And we've messed things up so bad that they're going to have to come back pretty soon and straighten everything out. And then we're going to be able to evolve to the next level. We're going to go from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, into the New World Order, out of the Old World Order, into the New World Order, and we will finally be, as our creators, these aliens, these benevolent, benevolent aliens, we will be as gods, which was the first lie that Satan told to Eve in the Garden of Eden to get her to eat the fruit. It's the same lie being told back then as is today. So, again, I just wanted to shed a little light on that. And it's here, and man was just more or less assuming their shape from apes, and they intermarried with man, and that's how, well, the original people were the witches that arrived, and their children became the witches, and the ones that they didn't marry with are the mortals. If you remember Bewitched, you remember the doctrine of, of witches and mortals. Now, that may seem a little crazy to you, but they firmly believe it. And that Adam, who had the ability to turn back into other lives again, like everybody else did, did not. Because when the evilness of man settled into the garden, and that's why the garden was bad, there's no original sin according to witches. And Lucifer had planned to come and live on this world along with his children, but he couldn't because of all the evilness of man. And when they say that, I almost feel like they want to write Christians sometimes, the, the way the doctrine goes. But Adam would come back to bring peace to the world and to unpollute it so his father could come back. Now that's their doctrine. And when the sixth letter said, we have found Adam to be in the world and he is ready to make peace so that his father can return. I knew enough about revelations in the Christian Bible to say, hey, I'm in the wrong camp. And I asked a very stupid question at that moment. I said, isn't this in the Christian Bible? 
Witches teach that the Christian Bible is an absolute lie created by the God of evil named Jesus. Okay? So when I ask that... And, and again, if who, who is there... Who are the Luciferians? Who are the Satanists' arch-rival? Always. Jesus Christ of the Bible. Well, shouldn't that tell us something? You know? I mean, if the devil's on one side, I've heard preachers say this, whatever side the devil's on, mark me on the other side. You know, and isn't it funny, they're the only one the Satanists or the Luciferians or the occultists really care about battling, discrediting, you name it, blaspheming Jesus Christ. It seems to be the only... They don't really do, care about doing that to Buddha or Allah because, see, all of those are them. They're fallen angels or, or, or devils or demons masquerading as some whatever deity. So it's very important to understand, you know, that concept. It was at that point that evidently he realized, because the point I think he was trying to make here is that they were saying in this uh, Grand Druid Council meeting, evidently that their their Adam was in the world, and he was ready to come back and, and um, start this uh, purification process. I believe what they're in reference to is probably literally the Antichrist being on the world or being born and or, you know, somewhere near that point. Because, I mean, if the Antichrist, even if it's the Antichrist and um, there's, there, there needs to be some type of physical body for the Antichrist to inhabit. And I believe this is what they were in reference to. And he brought up the question, well, it was, isn't this in the Christian Bible? And I'll let, I'll let it go further here now. Almost got lynched. Sometimes more or less like a Christian like to do when I'm two hours late. I gotta get you last somehow. So I said, well, you know, I'm just kidding. Don't worry about it. I was just joking, trying to light things up. They calmed down. I left, did some more drugs. Now I was doing about $150 a day worth of crystal speed at the time. I weighed about 149 pounds, and I, after looking at some of my rock friends like David Crosby that's doing $200 a day worth of drugs now, I firmly believe that if the Lord hadn't saved me, I probably wouldn't have made it another year. Who he's in reference to is, is David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, he's going to talk a lot more about that as well in some of the other tapes. But why are they all obsessed with doing these drugs? Well, like I said, the demons that go along with the drugs, there's a physical addiction, there's a... There's a psychological addiction. There's probably some type of almost demonic, hugely demonic addiction component. And they live in such fear, these high-level occultists, as you will see, such fear of if they get out of line, if they don't you know, get some agenda fulfilled for Satan, if they don't do as exactly as they're told. The fear of reprisals, that they're constantly seeking to escape reality, which is why most people do drugs, if you think about it. Or if they would get like, you know, fall down drunk, or do drugs, or, or get high, or whatever. What's the re what's the motivation? They're, they're trying, not only, I believe, is it almost literally feeding these demons... But from from a from some type of uh, warped spiritual standpoint, but they're they're seeking to escape reality as well. They're seeking to get away in this particular case from all the fear 
that they constantly live in. At that time, from August the 1st on, for the next 30 days, I thought of nothing but how to get out. But even though I realized that the Christian Bible was telling the truth, it just never dawned on me because of the spirits inside me that it was telling the truth in that, then salvation and Calvary were real also. So I went on. So he was, at that point, something triggered in him when he found out about, that the, I believe, that the Antichrist had literally been, they were actually openly talking about him now, coming to purify, you know, purify the world. He, he essentially put two and two together with the Christian Bible and realized that the Christian Bible was true. And I believe that was only through the Holy Spirit. And at that point, he said for the next 30 days, he was just thinking about how can I get out of this? How can I literally get out of the Illuminati? But I mean, if you think the mob's hard to get out of, this is probably even a whole other level above that. Um, trying to think of a dozen places I could go hide in this world and marking everyone off if they find me any place I go. And deciding that since, you know, if I died, I'd just come back in another life and that wouldn't be too good if they were running the world, so what was I going to do? Finally, God, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to say that because I come from a world that Lucifer has been God too. Finally, the Lord Jesus Christ started moving for this. That's the best way I know how to put it. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe that my salvation or anybody else's salvation was an accident. I believe in God incident. I believe that God sets in motion the things to bring you about. You still have the choice. But many of you who don't know him tonight, the Lord brought you here whether you know it or not. Much of you were probably brought here by praying friends and relatives. A man found his daughter, a pastor by the name of Smith, found his daughter, an initiated witch, shortly thereafter. Who had, He told me later, he said, I, I couldn't believe it. Here I was, I went to Baylor University, I was a minister in the Southern Baptist Church, and Baylor did everything, but hit me over the head that there was no devil, and no witches, and no demons in this day and age. Much like many fundamental Bible colleges I know today. He said, so I had to re-learn all over again. Instead of taking man's idea, I took the word of God. I found that Deuteronomy 18, 18, 19, and 20 gave a list of witchcraft in the occult world. And that Acts 16, 16, 17, 18, and 19 gave the power over witchcraft. What its power was, and how it handled its power, and the power over it. Which is the taking authority over the devil and the demons that are in witches. That's how they get their power. The stronger the witch, the more demons that they have allowed in. When they take a young person and they train them for witchcraft, they give them what lovingly, I guess, call it homework. They give them assignments that they're to do. And the assignments tear down every moral fiber and training that the person has. And just literally, they become a human chalice. They fill up with demons. As they do these things, they break down all the barriers holding the devil back. And when they're done, they have a very programmed, very brainwashed, and very powerful supernatural witch or wizard. So he prayed and he fasted. I heard Jack Howes the other day. I guess I never realized until I heard him how little Christians pray and fast. He's been around a long time and says he's only met a handful of praying and fasting Christians and I can believe it anymore. But this minister prayed and he fasted. He said, God, let me cross Lance Collins' path. And that was my occult name. 
He prayed and he prayed and finally he thought this is the time and he got up one morning, Saturday morning, two days before Labor Day in 1972, and he went downtown and he started going through the occult stores. Now I'm never in the occult, was never in the occult stores there much, and the one building that I lived in, there were two occult stores in that building, downtown San Antonio. One day one of the managers that Saturday morning had had an overdose of drugs, was critical and couldn't make it in. And I had to go unlock the place for the sales girl to come in. And I just unlocked, got all the cash fixed up and everything, was getting ready to leave. Hadn't been there more than about five minutes, and his pastor came in. And I knew it was a Baptist the moment he walked through the door. They carried a big black Bible. You have to be in southern Texas to understand. They don't go any place without a big black Thompson or something like that. He carries Schofields up here. They carry Thompsons down there. As one pastor says, I like a rapid-fire Bible. But he came in, and I remember telling Linda, the girl that was with me, oh boy, here comes trouble. He walked up and he said, I'm looking for Lance Collins. And kind of braced myself, and I said, I'm Lance Collins, can I help you? And he said, well, I want to tell you about the love of Jesus. I said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You take your Christian garbage and you go somewhere else. I remember the words very distinct. So he started preaching anyway. They figured he was there. He just dug his heels in and opened up. Well, I gave him about two sentences, and the spirits in me took over, and they started cussing. He just kept on preaching. So I started reciting chants, demonic chants, out to block what he was doing. Usually, he got Christians scared, and they ran off. He didn't touch. He stopped, and he said, well, I see. Ephesians 6.12, I'm not warring against Lance Collins. I'm warring against the demons inside him. So, since they want to talk to me, I order them to be silent in the name of Jesus. And he just started in a very powerful prayer, pleading the blood of Jesus Christ, and finally ending with this. He says, I order, in the name of Jesus, the devil to stop giving you any power of witchcraft, and to stop giving you any of his benefits, and took one look at me and saw that I was on drugs, and said, and stop giving you drugs. Now, parents, listen to me. If your kids are on drugs, and you've got a problem, stop preaching to them. Just order the demon inside them and the devil to stop supplying them the drugs. You'd be surprised, we've done it, how fast the pushers and dealers they're getting their drugs from get busted all of a sudden. Now that's profound. I mean, if you had, in other words, if you had a kid and he was, he was on drugs and let's say, just, you know, Command that wherever, you know, the source is that they're getting these drugs, any dealer, uh, pushers or drug dealers, for all these sources just to stop and to dry up. I mean, that's just a, it's, it's a way of praying that you might not think about, but you take authority over it. It is demonic. And, you know, he was saying that they've, they've gotten uh, amazing results just from doing that. Try it. It works. And when he was done, he said, now I'm going to pray and fast for you, Lance, until you get saved. And I, I don't know why I said it. I, I said, you're crazy. Can I, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. I remember I told dozens of witches, I'm going to pray and fast so you get saved. Don't do that. One thing a demon does not like is prayer and fasting. He turned around. He walked off. One thing that had intrigued me, I, I kept trying to convince myself that I had shut up to listen to him because he was so weird. But what it was, was simply he had taken authority over the demons, and I had shut up, and I had heard the whole thing. I went on upstairs, very shaken and not knowing why, very sick and not knowing why. So, so in other words, <laughs> this pastor had taken authority over the demons inside John Todd, 
and they shut up because he has authority over them. And we all have that same authority as born-again Bible-believing Christians. It's just a matter of having the faith to walk out that uh, authority, believing what the Bible says. He was literally kind of forced to stand there and, and listen to everything this pastor was saying, and they were in an occult bookstore. I mean, they were in a highly uh, cursed, I would say, area, piece of land, building. I mean, there was two occult bookstores, and and he lived in this building. Uh, So, you know, it wasn't like they were in a church and this was happening. It was was in a a very uh, evil area. I never felt like this in my life. I'd never come up against a Christian like this. Usually after I'm a witch, and they couldn't wait to find the nearest bomb shelter or crawl under the bed. And, and this is true of most Christians. They're terrified of anything occultic or witchcraft related. And, and as I've said before, witchcraft, and I've done many studies on this, is going to be the essence, is going to be the literal backbone of the coming one world religion. All false religions, all the isms, doesn't matter what it is, Buddhism, Islam, uh, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, Catholicism, they're all based in witchcraft at the highest levels. They may have some veneer of being good or whatever, but they're all, they're all based in high-level witchcraft. The further you go up in, in the rankings, they're all based on evil. And when all of these religions come together in the one world religion, under Antichrist and the false prophet, you're going to really see the fangs come out. You're going to really see the veneers ripped off. It's going to be very, very, a lot more overt. Um, there's not going to, they're, they're not going to need to use a facade anymore of whatever. It, it's, it's going to be much more apparent that witchcraft literally is the essence of um, the one world religion that we're moving into. Get the straight jacket out. Well, something about my eyes back then, they never questioned when I said I was a witch, they just took off running. So I went upstairs, Took out my drugs, my needle, did a fix. No problem. I had sent all the rest of my drugs out that night, big shipments that we had stored around the area, to other states because we had a huge shipment coming in that night. I said, boy, this will teach that dumb preacher. I'm going to go over and drop off a, a kilo of it on his door just to teach him that the devil doesn't exist and I don't get my drugs from the devil and he can't stop me from getting drugs. Besides, there's nothing wrong with drugs. I'm just literally dying, eating away from him. There's nothing wrong with drugs. This is how the young people are today. Their friends are overdosing. I've, I've talked with people 14 and 15. I said, how many friends you, do you lose every year? Oh, 10, 20. They overdose on, on angel dust or something, killer weed, different things. But there's nothing wrong with drugs. I had asked one girl why she's so bummed out. She says, well, this is the fifth girlfriend that's ended up in the mental hospital not knowing who she is from taking acid and having a bad trip. I said, do you take it? She says, sure, but I don't have any bad trips. There's nothing wrong with acid. When I got saved, I didn't have a friend that either wasn't in jail or wasn't dead. It'll do you something to you to walk into your friend's apartment and see him laying on the floor, needles still in their veins, and dead from an overdose or from strychnine being added to the drug because they wanted him out of the way. I went on upstairs, as I said, I did the drug. So in other words, if you were literally getting your drugs from the Illuminati, because they're all evidently addicted to um, drugs on one level or another, uh, they can add or spike the drugs that you're personally given. They can just put some strychnine in there or some other thing to kill you 
and get you out of the way. Satan's used you up, you're, you're, you're disposable in his eyes, and you're out of the way. So, that's just um, another thing that, that um, is a very uh, morbidly you know, interesting point regarding the occult. Not to worry, more drugs coming in. Except midnight, my phone rang, and I was still speaking. I, was just, I hardly ever slept, hardly ever ate. Answered the phone, I said, yeah, yeah, what's going on? Private number, I knew it had to be somebody that knew it. And they told me a story that I didn't like too well. We had paid off the Border Patrol. Everything was taken care of, standard run of drugs. Except that night, the ATF had heard that some illegal aliens were coming across the border. They called all the Border Patrol over, you know, from the regular stations, and had put on reserve units. And a guy that was so spaced out, he had sampled a little of pure speed. There was three huge cartons about this big, close to a million dollars worth of speed, in the back of the car, just sitting on the back seat with the lid off, where everybody could see it. He wasn't worried. Drove up to the thing, and the guy wheels out a gun and says, you're under arrest. It's all over in a matter of moments. Sure, he never even realized what happened. It was all because a preacher took authority over the devil. When I got that call, I come flooding back. You know, this guy's weird. You know, here he is. So in other words, because of what the preacher had prayed, this it was literally a spiritual thing that got set in in, in motion where this these drugs remember he was over this 13 state territory and he was in uh uh was it San Antonio or wherever in order to police the drugs coming in and over the border okay and this drug deal basically you know had had gone wrong that day but it had been set in motion by this preacher praying that you know he wouldn't be able to get the drugs that were um, he was supposed to get to keep staying high and keep escaping reality so that he could never get saved is really the, the ultimate reality. Well, because of that prayer and because of the prayers that were going up regarding that, all of this got set in motion and all of it was a good thing. From a, from a, from a uh, holy biblical standpoint, it was all a wonderful thing. So this is how God can orchestrate things. Popping my drugs, and I said, no, no, that's just an accident. But it never had happened before. So I realized after, you know, calming down about the situation that I was going to be going through withdrawal pretty soon. So I made some local calls. Nobody had anything. Most people around there were on heroin and not speed. So I made some out-of-state calls and finally found in the state of Ohio some of the drugs that we had sent on had arrived and they would get them down there. But it would be like Tuesday morning because of legal police actions they were having up there. But that's too long for somebody on drugs, as bad as I was. Sure enough, by Monday night, I almost didn't know who I was anymore. Bound and determined that I was going to get drugs no matter what had to be. I got a handgun, went in my car, started a car, started to drive. I was going to go to every area around that I knew if I had to kill the person, I was going to get drugs. And wrecked the car trying to get out of the parking lot. Just got out of the car, left the gun and everything, just sitting there. Started walking down the street kind of in a daze. Trying to get myself together and came upon a movie theater. Big bright lights attracted me. Just paid my money. Wasn't paying attention to the movie. Nothing. Went on in. Got about three rows back right from the screen. Here was some idiot up there waving a Bible all over the place and flash bulbs going off. And it was a movie called The Crossing the Switchblade. As I got mad about this, what am I into now? I believe that was Wilkerson's movie, The Crossing the Switchblade. It was that, you know, it was... Uh... Uh, like a soul-winning movie, just so it, people that aren't familiar with it, I wanted to interject that in there. I started getting intrigued with 
a character named Nikki Cruz. And I guess I probably got everybody in that fit or mad at me because I kept yelling at Dave Walker, so stay away from preacher, dumb Christian, leave him alone. He's just fine the way he is. All the way through the movie, cussing this guy out and telling him to leave Nikki Cruz alone. Finally, something very weird happened. I'm, a, I'm assuming Nikki Cruz was the guy that played the part that, that uh, the, the guy that, that ended up needing to be saved. And then he, as an occultist, was saying, no, preacher, leave him alone. You know, he doesn't need you. So I can't imagine what a fiasco that would have been. Now, we knew that Christians talked about being born again. But then, born again was a phrase used by the Masons and a phrase used by the witches. Didn't mean anything. But we had been taught by the doctrine of astrology, which, by the way, it takes three things to practice witchcraft. Astrology, herbs, and jewelry. Or talismans. So witchcraft or an astrology I learned from a very early child. One thing I've been taught was I was born a set personality. The stars had decided what my personality was going to be like. And there was no way, no right in witchcraft, no nothing that would ever change my personality. If I was bad, I was bad. Besides, I didn't consider myself too bad. I mean, I could have always been a Christian. That would have been terrible. So... I sat there and I watched him, and he changed. He wasn't just as saying, I'm born again. He changed. Now listen to me tonight. If you walked the aisle and you've given your heart to God, and there wasn't a complete turnaround, a complete change, and you went back to the way that you were five minutes before you walked that out, something is wrong. I'm not a Billy Graham that will have you say three words and say you're saved. It's in the fruit, and if there has not been a change in your life, something's wrong. And I got up and I walked out of that theater in utter confusion. Here was another thing that was in the Word of God that was happening. I walked on out, man walked up, about a dozen of us, I guess, were walking out of the theater at the one time. He walked up and he passed one track out. He gave it to me. He turned around, didn't say much, he just said, this is for you, turned around and walked off. The track was called Bewitched. So I sat there and I read, I said, Hmm, this guy's pretty smart. He says the bewitch is put on by the witches. Well, I knew that. My foster mother was one of the producers. I practiced. The, the show Bewitched was literally a, a an occult-based show put on by witches. And his mother was one of the producers. Okay, I'm going to have to end part one here, and we'll go to part two next because um, I'm, I'm running out of time here. God bless, and we'll see you in part two. Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West. Number 202, Third Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.